Kitchen of Marcel and Jeanette. This is what quarantine has been like. <laughs> I like making up songs. You do. They're fun. It's cute. It's adorable. Thanks. I make little puppet <laughs> puppet renditions of it with our hot mat. Yeah. Anyways, that's not what you came to listen to. <laughs> this is so exciting. At all. This is yeah. our first like real episode. I know. It feels like a lot of commitment. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Marcel, <laughs> yes, you are in this. <laughs> Don't jump ship. Okay, I won't. Let's I'm, get into. Let's get into what we're gonna talk about. Yeah. So today, as you can say, based off the title, as you can see, based off the title, we're gonna be talking about white folk in predominantly black spaces and um, what it looks like for us to, as people of color or black people, love them well. Um, and the process that sometimes black people can struggle with um, doing that just in lieu of the pain and the trauma of racism and you know how it affects sometimes like our allyship with white people when we don't seek to um, show grace and patience and love them through their experience of racism when they're genuinely trying to be allies Mm. um, and come alongside us and support us and love us well and use their privilege in the right way Mm -hmm. to empower the people so (laughs) that's what we're gonna be talking about um yeah yeah i think this is gonna be this is really vulnerable so oh marcelli (laughs) yeah but i feel like alex alex it's okay jeanette (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, yeah, we've just been, like, living this for, I mean, we've been friends for, like, a couple of years-ish. We've known of each other. I don't know, but we've been living together for a year, just about. Yeah. Um, and this year has been crazy, especially in, in connection to, like, racial tension in the country. So, it's just been, it's been super present. Um, I don't even know where to start. Okay, we're going to start with table theology. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk like some about how we feel like theology informs this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'll just start by saying this. For me, this has been a journey because I have been studying these things and like trying to live them out as best I can in terms of like being an ally and using my whiteness for, for good for a while um and I think that that has been a personal journey um through many things and it's been it's been really painful and I didn't realize it until this summer I think or this spring um and so a lot has just been coming out and I've been processing it and Mm -hmm. I think I've lived in community primarily with black people for the past like two to three years um and it's, like, increased in proximity and, like, intensity, I guess, over that time. So just a lot has been coming up for me. Mm-hmm. And Alexis has been a person that I've walked through it with. Um, so, yeah, that's, like, some of the background. I also, I work for a racial diversity consulting firm called Cultured Enough. Um, and so... The plug. <laughs> the plug. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a raise. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
<laughs> but that's a, a weird angle, too, because I've studied these things, like, academically and professionally. And mm. so that, like, informs my personal experience of it. Mm. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, for the theological part, we were going to start off just by talking about, like, the idea of wokeness and I guess how the secular form of that can be hurtful hurtful to um, to white people. And even I would go as far as to say Asians and, and like the Latinx community too mm-hmm. um, in different ways, but mm-hmm. I've heard that talked about as well. Um, yeah. And I th- yeah, and I think like to add to that too, I mean, I'm not excuse me, someone who, like, has all these, like, frameworks for racial identity, like, I have certainly not done as much work in trying to understand these things as Katie has, like, I mean, I'm just a nerd, sheesh, man, <laughs> if you come look at our house, you tell me which bookcase you think is mine, and which one you think is Katie's, and you'll probably be wrong about which one is mine, because... Katie has really put in work, but I think for me, like, the theological part that I'm thinking of is just what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself, as Mm. we're commanded to. Like, I think that that's a part of it that can get lost because, um, with people of color, because there's a lot of pain. There's legitimate pain and trauma Mm. that makes it difficult for people of color to be able to know how to love someone well who... Um, represents the oppressor Mm. and it's very hard to think of someone who looks like your oppressor represents your oppressor as someone who is experiencing this painfully as well for you for themselves who's trying to understand themselves as an individual like there's just so many layers that I just think that um people have it's, it's difficult I just think when I think of it from a trauma standpoint and just from a pain standpoint to know how to have compassion and empathy towards someone who you don't view as someone who like deserves that in a sense. Mm. But I think that that kind of speaks to um, what you were saying as far as viewing wokeness through the lens of the gospel, that like we all deserve that level of grace and compassion Mm. and patience um, because that's, what's been shown to us. Mm. Um, So I think that's sort of like when we've talked about it, the framework that I've come from is like, this just doesn't feel loving Mm. to not, like try to figure out how are you experiencing yourself as a white person right in a predominantly black space yeah and like even though racism hurts me differently than it hurts you how can i still maybe try to like listen and also care for you well in that so yeah 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 i think during the spring um after ahmaud arbery and brianna taylor and george floyd were killed um Alexis was one of the first people to point out how my, like, secular understanding of critical race theory and wokeness and, like, how a white person with privilege should engage these issues and how um, I should behave, like, in settings where this is being discussed where I might be the only white person. Um, I, I remember, like... You were just like, this just seems like a lot of rules that you're, like, imposing on yourself. Um, and she was right. And it was, like, keeping me from, from like, being my full self, for being 
fully present with her in like community and we'll talk about that a little later when we get to living single but um that just made me think about how I think I think that these theories um and the research that has been done on racial dynamics in this country is really really helpful and I think that for white people who are kind of being faced with their privilege for the first time um in light of everything that has happened or maybe you have been dealing with it but this is just kind of adding a sense of urgency to it for you I think that reading reading books that talk about privilege is really important um and helpful but I also think when they come from a purely secular perspective they try Mm. to like manufacture really fruits of the spirit Mm. in white people Mm. um for the sake of of reconciliation mm-hmm. or equity mm-hmm. um and it was weird i was reading white fragility by robin d'angelo i think right before george floyd died and it was weird because i would like notice things that she would say where i was like this is really how a believer should act mm-hmm. um just even like in her in her writings about like listening well and and like holding the stories of black people in um high regard and just i think just being all around gracious um Mm. and removing yourself from the center of the narrative as a white person Mm. and not like being prideful in that way and like insisting that your perspective is true Mm -hmm. um yeah so i've just been thinking a lot about that and how i think that being woke tries to make white people humble yes um in this situation which i think is necessary like i don't really think you can genuinely be an ally and not be humble Mm -hmm. but i think where it has gotten messy with believers is kind of like having those expectations of each other and how white people should behave in situations based on like theories Mm -hmm. um and I guess maybe putting our faith in, like, the the sociology to mm. sanctify the white people in this way mm. versus, like, the gospel and letting that inform stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like what you... Because when you were saying that, it definitely made me think about how... Um, yeah, like, humility is something that only the Holy Spirit, I think, can authentically do because that's a heart posture. Mm. And I just think about how... And but I but I like what you were saying too about how like her book Right for Fragility talks about this is how how like a believer should act <clears throat> because I think it shows that even secular theories mm. like if it's like if it's based in truth right. then we can know that okay this is something good yeah but I think that on both sides if you remove a posture of humility from it mm. that's when it becomes damaging and hurtful and that's when it gets to you know, maybe like some of the experiences that you've had mm. where it's kind of been that there's been, there's been maybe like a level of entitlement, not that you should not seek to understand mm-hmm. and not that you shouldn't seek to enter into these spaces with black people and kind of like hold the stories and everything else she talks about. But like, I'm thinking about that one time that we had life group and I was going to miss over that one question Mm. and Tosh had to call me out and be like I feel like that's a good question sis like we should ask that one and it said and it was yeah. and I missed it but it was something about like how do you think white people are experiencing this or non-black people are experiencing racism yeah. it was something around that yeah and I think that like I'm glad that she said that and I'm glad that she called that out because I like 
I, first of all, I didn't really notice the question as what it was. But then on top of that, it's like, no, but yeah, like, white people are... There are white people who are genuinely trying to be in the fight with us, but mm-hmm. we cannot ignore their humanity. Mm. They're still human beings. Yeah. Who, like, which I think you speak to this really well, just the whole part of, like, I have to understand my whiteness. Not just in relation to black people, mm-hmm. just as a as my own personhood. Yeah. And there's a whole process of trying to understand who I am in general how have I you know benefited from white privilege or not and what other aspects to being white are there like there's a whole process that you have to go through that I just think that if we're not willing to understand that like white people can't just come to the like I don't want no white person fighting for me if you're doing it because you think it's the right thing to do but you don't really want to be in a relationship with me Mm -hmm. or you don't really care for there to be equity you're doing it because you're you know, you're following all the rules or whatever. Like, I would rather you bring your whole self. Mm. And I would rather you just be authentic to who you are. And and I think that posture of humility helps me to love you well because you're vulnerable and you're like, listen, I don't get why... I mean, like, this is an example that, you know, I, I knew about. I don't get why, like, black people having a hair store is, like, a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that important? Like, can you help me to understand that? Like... That's a, and it's something small, but it's something important to us, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like that level of humility can make me understand, like, oh, wow, like, you want to learn. Mm. But then you also telling me, like, it's hard for me to experience this mm. and to be honest about that because I feel like I can't, like, express that I feel. Like, mm-hmm. that lets me know, oh, wow, this hits you, and I want you to feel this, too, in a way that's genuine and authentic. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I don't just, I don't just want, this is me personally, like, I just, I don't want an ally to just kind of be, in some ways, like, a form of a white savior. Oh, yeah. Like, I just, I, like, I want you to be authentic to who you are, and I want to be able to walk with you through that the same way I would want you to walk me through the pain of racism. Mm. Yeah. That was making me think just about how... Like, on both ends of the spectrum, there are, I guess, like, evil influences of things. Like, yeah. I think there's straight-up racism that's just hateful. Yeah. Um, but then, like, way over on the other end, just trying to be... I think that sometimes white people feel this pressure of, like, having to already know and figure out how to navigate racial dynamics yeah but there's nobody there to teach us yeah so then there's like this lack of grace i gotta i want to say something about that (laughs) because i'm sorry to cut you off but i've been frustrated with the fact that people have kind of been like which i don't think this is wrong Mm -hmm. but educate yourself educate yourself i don't want to have to tell you everything Mm -hmm. and i'm like i understand white people should educate themselves yeah but i but don't just get everything you know about black people from a book Mm. do life with some people of color well also this is what i felt very convicted um after george floyd died because a little bit of (laughs) a little bit backstory about me i went to a small white university where i was often um the only it was christian too so that was fun Mm -hmm. um but i was often a white person who was speaking out on behalf of people of color in white spaces 
and I was just over it. And I graduated, mm. and I was like, I am, I am done with white people. They can all figure it out <laughs> on their own. Yeah. And I even I think Alexis and I were talking about this. Um, it, in the fall, yeah, we were talking we about <laughs> <laughs> white people at our church. So our church is predominantly black. Um, and I was sharing with her like some of the some of the dynamics I felt like kind of being a white person in that space for a couple of years and then seeing new white people enter and me feeling some type of way towards them and feeling like they have to prove themselves to me. Like almost like I've earned my keep. <laughs> and if you just come in here and you look at me like I'm going to save you in this sea of people and culture that you're not familiar with. Like, I'm looking the other way. You can just deal with it on your own. Like, I've literally looked white people dead in the eye at church and been like, have a good time. Like, let me know. Um, And Alexis was like, Katie, that's not very gracious. And I was like, "Mm, I don't care because (laughs) I did my time um, in figuring this stuff out. But now, after, I think after George Floyd died especially, I just felt really convicted that, like, there are white people who want to figure this out. Yeah. And it's actually me not loving my black and brown siblings very well to leave my white siblings behind me and just be Mm. like, figure it out on your own. Like, Mm. I think people like me step in that gap where it's too painful for black people to talk about their, their trauma in the midst of a new yeah assault yeah um and like i it's painful for me too in different ways but not as much and so this is kind of like my spot to step in and be that bridge um and i think this time i've seen like some sacrifices that come with that Mm. but i think that that just kind of legitimizes it in a way yeah um yeah yeah that's good. You're such a good ally. <laughs> oh. Thanks. <laughs> um, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about in terms of like the theological aspect of this. Okay. So I was just thinking about the verse that talks about bearing each other's burdens. Yes, I thought about that too. Oh. Yeah. We're on the same wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> Vibing. Um so I was thinking about that and then just even today when we were kind of deciding what we wanted to talk about, um, we were like, is this, is this an appropriate time to discuss this? Is this like taking away from the moment that we're in and the movement that's happening? Um, and even just like at our own church, the, the series that we just started is just talking about kind of like the cultural context that we're in and how believers should engage that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just, our conversation was really interesting. Because for me, right now, I've already kind of, like, processed a lot. It's a lot of, like, do we say Black Lives Matter as Christians? What do Mm. we think about critical race theory? Is that biblical? Da-da-da-da-da. And I've thought through a lot of those things and I think wrestled with them. Not to an exhaustive point. But it's not something that's really pressing me right now. Um, And just even the pain of everything that's gone on is not, it hasn't been as intense for me because I'm white. So we were talking about how like, for me staying engaged in that sermon series right now, it's not really something that's speaking to my heart in a way that I really feel like I need, but what does it look like as my role as a white person to be present and engaged in it? Because Mm. this is my community and Mm. like, this is the majority kind of like pain that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. But I was just wondering like what your thoughts are on 
bearing each other's burdens um, as it relates to all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I threw that one on you. Yeah, Um, you did. (laughs) Um, This is conversation. Yes, uh, yeah. (laughs) What it means to bear one another's burdens, like, I need you to simplify the question, sis. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was complicated. Um, (laughs) I guess when I was thinking about bearing one another's burdens, what came up for me was like, okay, staying engaged in this mentally, even though it's not emotionally, like, that intense for me, I feel like that's what it looks like for me to bear this burden right now. Mm. So, as we're thinking about all of this, like, what is, and I think you spoke to it a little bit before, just Mm -hmm. even, like loving white people well yeah and understanding how we're experiencing all of this but okay yeah i just wondered if you had other yeah i mean i think that Mm. i mean i think what it looks like for like people of color to kind of like bear whatever burden that like non-white people have Mm -hmm. about this um I mean, the best way that, that's a, I don't know why this is like, I don't know if I have any like thing that pops out aside from like learning to be patient and walk with people through like people, sorry, being patient and learning to walk with white people through what their process looks like of coming to terms with their own racial identity. Mm. That's that's the best thing that I can think of. Like, just knowing that this is, for some, this was a really good analogy. It was a couple of really good analogies that I thought of that I think helped me was that, I'll use this one because it's the simplest one, but somebody kind of talked about, oh, it was propaganda, your guy. My it, guy. <laughs> <laughs> it, he was talking about how... Um, Oh, on the policing, the history of the policing podcast. Oh, wait, pause. Just so you all know, there's this podcast that um, a rapper named Propaganda did with this interesting historian man um, called... The History of Policing. The History of Policing. Oh, their their normal podcast is called Behind the Bastards. Mm -hmm. But you should listen to it. Just everybody should listen to it. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's very informative for this moment. Anyways... Yeah, so he was yeah, so he was kind of propaganda was talking about how, you know, there's some people who have just opened the book called Racism and Equality and Injustice in America for you know, people of color. Mm. They just opened the book and some of us are on chapter like freaking 62. Mm. And I feel like that was a really good analogy to kind of show that there are some people who are literally for lack of a better word, just becoming woke to the reality of how deep this is. Mm. Like, I think there's a reason that George Floyd awakened the country the way that his death did, the way that his murder did, because I think that it was just very clear this man didn't do... I mean, none of them were justified, but I think for a lot of people, it was just way too clear that, like... It was very explicit. And so I think in bearing the burden of people of, you know, non non... Uh, people of color who are trying to understand <laughs> the transparent people yeah. <laughs> um white people whatever oh why gosh. am i trying i don't know i don't know i don't know 
Girl, I don't know. Too much with that one. As long as you don't say Caucasian. Oh yeah, it's fine. Okay, so the white folk. I'm sorry. I think what it looks like to bear the burden of white people is that if white people are genuinely trying to like understand, welcome where they're at. I think it just like it looks like just being patient and being gracious and knowing that it's going to be messy. And there are some people who are going to be real ignorant even still. And I think nonetheless like we're called to love them. You can call you can love them, you know, at a comfortable distance or not. Whatever you feel like the Lord is calling you to do. Mm. Depending on how close they are to you. Um but I just feel like it it looks like being willing to kind of say like this is messy and uncomfortable. But if you're committed to walking with me in this, I want to be committed to helping you figure out and understand why this is important to us. Mm. Um, and these are some books that you should read. Like, I think it needs to be, I think in order for, like, redemptive wokeness to happen for real, it needs to be a, 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 a combination of healthy community, but also educating yourself. Mm. And I think that community needs to be available for white people to be able to discuss and talk things through with, you know, to lament, to question to poke and prod in a safe space so people can feel comfortable. Like you were saying, like you had a really good point about the longevity of this. Mm. Like if we're going to have allies that are with us for real, for real, for the long haul, because it's a long haul thing, we, they need to know they can trust us as much as we need to know they can tr- that mm. we can trust them. Like, yeah. I, like you need to know that you're not just being used for your privilege. Yeah. I think that's fair yeah. <laughs> that I actually love you and care about you as a person. Yeah. And if this hurts you a certain way, I can walk with you through that the same way I would expect you to do it for me. I feel like mm. I'm repeating myself a lot. Um, no, this cause, is good. Because I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's, it's not hard, but I just think, again, when you've, because there's a lot of heightened emotion around it, it's yeah. just not, it's very hard to think of, well, how are the white people feeling about this? Yeah. And I also think, just to be fair, like, there hasn't really ever been a critical mass of white people (laughs) who are, like, in this... Yeah. I think there's a lot of white people that, um, you know, they want to be woke or they want to be an ally, and then they don't really stick around long enough to even get to the point where they feel pain about racism. Like, they feel guilt about racism. Yeah. But then there's a, a pain that comes after. Yeah. Where, and I'll talk about this in soul care a little bit, but... Yeah, there's just a a whole nother level to it that comes when you've been in it for a minute. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think... So we were going to share a story. (laughs) Um, This kind of transitioned into living single quite well. So now we're kind of talking about relationships and, like, how we hash stuff out um, in community. But... Do you... Should should I share my perspective first or should you share, share your perspective first? What would make more sense? I think you should because you wrote the plan. I'm just filling in. Ah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, after, I guess it was like a day or two after the news started covering the death of George Floyd pretty intensely. Like, uh, oh, the night, so there was like an evening before and I knew that Alexis would, or whatever your name is. <laughs> Jeanette. Jeanette. <laughs> I knew that um, Jeanette was, like, processing all of it. <laughs> and I had not been... So, the last time I remembered multiple black people being killed by the police or some sort of authority was in 2016 with um, 
like Terrence Crusher, Crutcher and I think Eric Garner and a couple others. And so, but at that time, I was, like, removed from, like, close proximity to black people. I had a couple friends that we talked about it. But it wasn't like I was in the middle of it. So this time, I was in the middle of it. Pretty much everybody I knew was in pain. I felt like a bomb went off. Mm. And everybody around me was, like, missing limbs and bleeding out. And because I'm white, I didn't get hit by it. And I'm just like, I don't even know who to talk to. Also, I look like the people who set the bomb off. (laughs) Um... So I was, I, I retreated hardcore. Um, everything that I thought I had learned about how to engage black people's racial trauma, like, kicked in. And I still think some of it is wise. Like, some stuff, like, um, you shouldn't really speak as a white person. Like, you should primarily be listening. Um, I think, in general, that's a good rule of thumb. And I was also thinking a lot about, I felt like I needed to hide my own emotions because there's a lot written about white women crying um, and just Mm. how that's traumatizing for black people. And so I wanted to cry the entire day, Mm. but I felt like I needed to do it privately. Mm. Um, And I even remember, this was after this initial like incident, but I, my mom called me and I was listening to a podcast, and, like, I was literally listening to somebody get gassed, like, right before she called me. And then I, like, went outside, and I just, like, burst into tears. But then I was talking to her, and then I had to come inside to, like, take something off the stove, and I felt like I needed to not cry in front of Alexis. Like, it was this really weird... Mm. It was weird. So anyways, in the probably the worst day that, uh, that Alexis was processing everything, I, like, isolated from her. Because I assumed that because I'm white... And I'm, like, a symbol of oppression that she really wouldn't have, like, the space to even engage with me. Um, But I didn't know that that was actually really hurtful to her. Um, And we actually had, like, a conversation later where she was just, like, I mean, you can speak to it, too. But it was hurtful that I kind of left you alone Mm -hmm. in that. But we didn't even realize what was all going on. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I think... I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, like, when we... Oh! It's coming back now! I remember... Yeah, I was upset at you for not asking me about it. Wasn't that it? Yeah, but I was like, like, rule number one, don't ask black people if they're upset. Like, duh, you're Like, we were... I think it was, like, in the morning, and we were in the kitchen. No, there was the night before... No, when I finally... But when I finally told you... That was right before Life Group. Was it? It was. was when we talked about it, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we like Oh, so it wasn't it. in the morning then. Okay. <laughs> and then okay. we got on a Zoom call with a bunch of other people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Oof. Yeah. It was a doozy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was definitely upset because I just kind of felt like you were ignoring the fact that I was like in pain about this. And it just yeah was hurtful and it just kind of felt like okay i'll just deal with this by myself like yeah yeah it's interesting because in that moment i didn't this is just me personally like i wasn't thinking of it as like even like you're a white person like you can't intrude upon this space i think i was just thinking of it as like i live with you you're my friend yeah you know this is hard because brianna and amad just died like ask me about it yeah (laughs) you know yeah but yeah it's understandable that because of where the spaces that you've been in it's like no i can't really 
enter into that yeah and i think this just illustrates like like for me i i feel like i vacated the role of like katie living community with alexis and i put us in the boxes of like black and white and Mm. i was like this is how we have to interact Mm. in this even though i'm an ally and like supporting you right now like the interpersonal aspect of it I didn't have any understanding of how to do that. Yeah. Um, which I also think is interesting because I think the secular theories related to this don't really talk about I know doing community together because it's not really an expectation. Mm. Like I think that that's a uniquely mm. biblical and Christian yeah aspect to racial reconciliation. Yeah. Um, but there's just not there's yeah. just, there's just not a lot a lot on it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then I mean honestly when you said that like it made me think that like a lot of white people which is yeah, this is why I think being in relationship is like helpful. Mm. Because I think there's a lot of cuz I can think of at least one white person right now who may not know or have known how to engage and probably retreated from that whole situation because they don't know if it's appropriate. You yeah. know what I mean? Which that might be, and I think too that it's fair. I, cause I wanna, I'm thinking of this too. Like, I think it's fair that, um, when someone is in pain, I think it's fair to not, and I'm not saying this like just for you, but I, to like add more like restriction or whatever, but I think it's fair to be mindful that like, um, What am I trying to say? I think it's fair to be mindful that if you, I guess, try to like put it out there. Oh my gosh, like this is so hard for me too. Whatever, whatever. Prematurely before you've attended to that person who's in pain. Yeah. It could backfire on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's where like maybe that whole idea of just kind of step back and let them like grieve maybe Mm -hmm. like may have came from because I just think in general, if, if. If I've cut myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain. And then you're like, oh my God, I feel it for you. Yes, that's (laughs) terrible. I'm going to be like, but I'm bleeding. Like, you don't feel it. You know, I think it's important to kind of like read the room, if you will. You know what I mean? But I don't think that doesn't mean there shouldn't be, you know, a conversation about shared experience, which I think is the relational aspect of it that's like healthy. Yeah. And I think that this just affirmed for me, like... how much um kind of putting in your work ahead of time i guess as a white person Mm. benefits you Mm -hmm. in these moments Mm -hmm. like we were just talking about how i could probably step into that pain with alexis and some others a little bit differently than a white person who's outside of our like fellowship yeah could yeah because i don't have to come into it rehearsing all of the like i know that i'm privileged mm-hmm. i know that mm-hmm. i can't in empathy empathize with you this way it's like i am empathizing with you because that would have been weird i'm friends with black men and i'm thinking about them getting killed too yeah so yeah i just think i mean if you're white and you're listening to this like this is why it's important to walk it out all the time yeah um because it it does like a lot of the groundwork for you, I guess, so that when you're in those moments of like really intense racial trauma with people of color, like 
you're not having to suddenly prove yourself in that moment. Yes. Which I think is what causes white people to handle them badly. Mm. Because it's like, crap. Pressure. Like, there's just a lot going on. And yeah. I just feel like I need to show you that I'm not racist right now. Yeah. And that's really painful. Because yeah. we're also making it about ourselves in that moment. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah. Those were things I was talking about. And I think something that I really appreciated about my, like, community was black people who, like, took a moment and, like, they had their, their time to grieve and to process and to, like, you know, handle those things appropriately, but they also stopped and asked me how I was doing. Yeah. Um, and that was just new for me. Mm-hmm. That was new. I think I've ki- I had gotten to the point where I prepared myself to be, like, a racial punching bag. Mm-hmm. Um. And to just kind of, like, be there to affirm everybody's hatred of police or or whiteness, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, I still think that there's, like, validity in white people speaking truthfully about some of those things and not being afraid to be in agreement with it. But I, it's too, I went too far in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I actually had, like, black people check me on that, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Alexis is looking at me with a very sweet smile. <laughs> you can't see it, but it was a moment. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts about relationships? I mean, I think now that I'm looking back, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to sit in guilt over it. But I do think that there's a level in which... Like, I could have loved you well. I don't think I... I don't think that I realized that it would impact you so much. Mm. So, I guess, like... Because I'm thinking, mm. like, Dag, I wish I would have asked you how you were doing with everything, too. Mm. Instead of just, like, expecting you to kind of, like, tend to me. Mm-hmm. And forgetting that, like, maybe this is hard for you, too, because you work in the city with a bunch of... Yeah. Like, young boys of color and, like, you know... You just do community and do life with people of color. Yeah. So, I think that's one thing that I was just thinking about, like... I mean, again, like, I'm not... I'm not, like... Like, I think it's just, for me, like... Now that, again, like, we're having this conversation and we've talked about it, like, now I know... I mean, I hate to say this, but, like... (laughs) When it happens again... I mean... (laughs) I mean, that's real. I know. When it happens again. And we have to kind of, like, work through it. Like, now I know that I have to be aware of, like, how this is affecting you and how you're processing it. Because initially, I didn't think that. And I think, Mm -hmm. like, that's why, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, like, I think that's what we were talking about earlier with, like, a redeemed perspective on wokeness. Because... I think what we were saying was that if you go too far with it without the gospel, it dehumanizes white people. Yes. Like, it kind of reduces white people to the oppressor or, like, the privileged one. And so, without without giving, like, respect and even acknowledgement of, like, the nuances of white identity. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, I think you, like, saying that is encouraging because I think it just centers things a little bit. And it's, like, really when it comes down to it, like, this is painful for us as believers because it's evil. Yeah. Um, And that affects all of us. Yeah. It should affect all of us. There are definitely white believers who have a deficiency. 
currently. <laughs> and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah. But, um, ooh, you okay? I'm just really passionate yeah. kicking the coffee table. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we transition to soul care? We can. You wrote the notes. I did. <laughs> I'm just... As we've already stated. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I talk about... So, okay, for this episode, I think I'm speaking specifically to white people. Okay. Um, yeah, because I can do that, because I'm white. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think... Just for... This is going to be really nerdy. But there are some some theories and like understandings of all of this that have been really helpful for me spiritually like understanding how to approach all of this and even how to bear the other believers burdens whether they're black or white in different ways so I'll get to that but um Beverly Tatum who wrote a book called why do all the black kids sit at the same table in the cafeteria or something long and obnoxious like that see um she be reading <laughs> She wrote she wrote this book about racial identity development and then somewhere along the line I don't know if she wrote it or if somebody else wrote it but they came up with like a a PDF that has different stages of racial identity development for people of color and for white people. Um and I think that I was first introduced to that idea like 2 years ago. Um and since then I have been like processing through it and I mean obviously I think people are familiar with the first couple stages it's like realizing your privilege realizing that race is a thing um and for white people that happens a lot later in life just because the way our society is racialized like white kids are not experiencing an other an otherness early on um like black kids are brown kids are but what is interesting is like at the end of of the racial identity development process for white people Um, there's a stage where like you become autonomous from like the idea of whiteness as like a social construct Um, and there's another book that I would recommend people reading called white trash Um, and it's like a history of just white people and like poverty and how that has um, it was kind of like manipulated by a lot of like political forces and stuff to pit poor white people against black white people black white people (laughs) that would be cool um (laughs) but yeah i'm getting into the weeds a lot here but it was interesting to me to see how the idea of whiteness i think actually created a loss because it separated light-skinned people from their ethnic identity um and then i think that that created like a vacuum almost that we had this like desire for some kind of cultural identity but it wasn't connected to our ethnicity anymore and i think that it got filled in with things like political ideology Mm. um and even things that are oppressive like when i think about just things that people don't want to let go of like i'm from um near dc originally and so our football team is the redskins and like that's a racial slur but I know so many people who were like, no, I'm from this area. This is my football team. Like, I will never let go of that mm. that slogan or that um, brand and stuff. And now they're changing the name. And that's, like, really an identity issue for some people. So something that I've been journeying through and that has been 
healing for me, even in a spiritual way, is like going back and <clears throat> I understand that I present as white or whatever and people are going to call me white. But knowing where I came from and like giving due respect and honor to that because I think it restores some of my dignity. And like mm. even though I do have privilege and I will be perceived as oppressive initially when most people meet me, um, just because of their assumptions based on who I am and my color. Like, I can walk into those spaces being secure and knowing what my story is and what my value is by rediscovering where I came from. So, like, the other weekend, I was at my grandpa's house and we were looking at pictures and, like, we found pictures of our great-great-grandparents who came from Germany. Um, And, like, a year or so ago, I found out that my, my grandma's parents spoke Dutch, like, in their home. And her and her sisters intentionally refused to learn it because they wanted to be American. So even seeing how, like, the pressures of American society, like, caused my grandma and her sisters to cut themselves off from their Germanness to be accepted, like, I was like, that's a loss. And it's weird for me to go back and, like, try to find that. And even, like, my grandpa did a lot of ancestral work, and there's some um, some Cherokee in our family line and some Pequot tribe and i don't i know right nobody's even heard of them Mm -hmm. but and i don't have any like ties to it and i'm not gonna go to an indigenous gathering and claim to be native american like that's not appropriate Mm -hmm. but also i don't want to erase those people from history like Mm -hmm. they're a part of of how i came to be here and i don't think it would be respectful or honoring for me to act like that's not there um yeah, so I just think it's really important for for white people to really delve into their racial identity um, and the nuances of whiteness. Like, I, going to a white school was weird because I found out there are different kinds of white people. And we don't all have to be the same, and that's fine. Um, yeah, was there anything else? I think that it's it's important because it kind of keeps your identity as like a privileged person from encompassing all of you. Um, cause I think that that's dehumanizing when we like kind of simplify ourselves too much. I think that takes away from the way God created us. Um, and I've also just been reflecting a lot on like how there isn't any part of your story that God did not intend to use. And I think in some ways we do, we do reference that often, but I think sometimes if you're a white person or if you're a woman, like it's used We kind of talk about it as if, like, it's a deficit that God will use somehow. Mm. Versus, like, God intentionally created you this way Mm -hmm. to walk in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't need to hide my whiteness. For a long time, I hid my whiteness hardcore. Um, What do you mean when you say you hid your whiteness? Like, I think, so the way I grew up, I was influenced by a lot of cultures that weren't white. Um, and there was a season where I really like grasped onto those and I was like, this is who I am and it is who I am. Like the food that I eat and the music that I like to listen to and stuff, Mm -hmm. it is a part of my story, but I wanted to be associated with that and not my whiteness. And I would kind of even speak of myself as like, yeah, I'm white, but culturally I'm da 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 da. And I think it's true, like, going back to, like, what, how you grew up shapes you, Mm. but I wanted to reject my whiteness completely, and there was a long time where I took it as, like, an honor when 
my black or Latinx friends were like, you're not really white. Like, you're mm. Salvadorian or mm. you're you're black or whatever. And I, I mean, it's funny. And, like, I understand that that's, like, a term of endearment. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to deny it, I guess. <laughs> but I also am learning to, like, push back. And to if somebody's like, Katie, you're not white. I'm like, actually... God did make me white, and, like, this is why mm-hmm. that's good, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to, like, I can hold both. I don't yeah. have to choose between them. Um, so, that's what I have for, yeah. for soul care. Um, and I think, too, like, on the flip side of that, I don't think it's wrong for black people to own the reality of their own experience, even in relationship with white people. Like, I don't think that we should feel like we have to sanitize our experiences of racism because it'll make white people more comfortable. Mm. Like, I mean, yeah, you didn't notice at the time. (laughs) You didn't know this at the time, but like, I definitely in the midst of just like being upset was like, you know, Katie or any white person will never have to know what it's like to be afraid of being shot and killed simply because you're black, like in your own house. Yeah. Like, that is a reality and it made me really mad thinking that like white people will never have to deal with this like ever um and that's and that's like real and i think that and i don't know now i know like i should just tell you that (laughs) because it's a very real part of like how i felt um i think that the way that we experience racism and racial trauma I think they're, like, very precious parts that, like, on both sides we should just, like, you know, handle with humility and just know that we both, on on both sides, like, we have to seek sort of, like, love the other person in their experience well. Mm. Um, because it is, I think for, you know, I think it's, I think it's difficult. Yeah. Um, and it is really painful. And it is really hard. And I think, too, like, when you feel, like, cared for and affirmed and validated it just leaves room it sort of like brings the temperature down in your heart yeah like when you feel heard it makes you feel like oh okay this is like safe yeah and then it can lead to exploration of other things that are maybe a little more messy yeah so i think that like you know i think number one like yeah yeah like own the fact that the lord has placed us in community with people who don't look like us so that we can learn to love one another well yeah. Um, and that know that your experience is just as valid as a white person's experience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, it's one thing if they're choosing to be ignorant, but like if they're willing, if there's someone who's in a relationship with you and they're willing to seek to understand and grow, I think that, I mean, I think just being a faithful disciple of Christ, like we owe it. Yeah. To the Lord to be patient because he's been patient mm. and he's gracious and he <laughs> is humble. Yeah. You know, um, and I don't think that our experience of pain should hinder us from like loving someone who resembles the oppressor well. Yeah. So I think I'm, that's like yeah. the piece that I would add. I'm glad that you said that because it reminded me of a couple things. I think there is a reality for white people in this space that, like, there are some things you just have to buck up and deal with. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that white people need to do better at, like, walking with each other in that. Like, I have a Mm. friend, and sometimes she and I just talk, and we're just like, this is what happened to me because I'm a white person in black and brown spaces. And Mm. it sucked, and, like, I just have to deal with it. But also, because we're both white, like, we can kind of empathize with each other on that. And it's appropriate for us to have those, those conversations. Yeah. Um, I also think when you were talking about kind of not sanitizing your experience to keep white people feeling safe or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's a book that I really like called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he talks, the past, the author, his name is Pete Scudero. He talks about, um, disrupting false peace around you Mm. and how like jesus calls you to be a peacekeeper but he also doesn't ask you to keep peace that is artificial yeah Yeah. and i think that i i get frustrated with people of color that will kind of like cushion things for white people because Mm. i'm like you are creating a false sense of peace and actually like keeping white people from seeing a sin that is happening in our community because you don't want to make us feel bad. Yeah. And that's just not beneficial to anybody, especially when you start to understand the losses that white people have experienced through racism and how it's damaged our own humanity. Um, like, it's just not the loving thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I think... What losses? What do you mean? Just like what I was talking about earlier, like kind of losing cultural identity and even oh. losing like... I really think there's aspects of whiteness that has taken away our ability to empathize. Like, period. Um, And that's not how God created us to be. So I just think there's a lot of, like, spiritual ramifications for racism that is not addressed on both, for both sides. Um, And I think that God wants to redeem that. And there was another thing that you said that I was thinking about. Um, Oh, I, I think... As, like, uncomfortable as it is to know that you were angry at me or, like, my whiteness or whatever, that I don't ever have to be fearful of being killed in my home um, because vigilante officers tried to cash in on a warrant that didn't exist. Um, Like, if you had shared that with me in that moment, it would have been uncomfortable for me and it would have been painful for me. But also, I think... It's an honor, too, because Mm. there are some white people that you could not share that with safely. Just, like, for... I mean, I think about race and gender, like, in tandem a lot. Like, if I'm sharing something with a man about my experience as a woman, it's because I trust him. So even if I'm really pissed off about it and I'm just like, men suck and, like, I feel unsafe all the time. Like, if I'm sharing this with another man, it's because I I have enough confidence in him that he's not going to disqualify what i'm saying yeah um so i guess for white people too like those things are gonna happen but keep in mind that it's kind of a sign of like Mm. you're doing something right Mm. um so i don't know yeah just like bear with the discomfort yes because life is like that yeah if you're living it for real yeah 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 this was deep it was. It was very deep. It was it was a lot for the first one. Yep. Uh, you know? Listen, the kitchen is real. The kitchen is very real. <laughs> and we cool. really had we really have had most of these conversations in the kitchen. Some yeah. of them in the living room. Or you on the step, me on the chair. But <laughs> <laughs> it's details you don't really care about. <laughs> no, I just think it's funny. 
I yeah. think it's funny. We like have our spots. We do. Where we like prepare to have deep conversations, <laughs> and I think it just happens. Like, it just happens. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, yeah. but if you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, if you have any thoughts, feel free to share them. And our podcast is on all the platforms. So, yeah, share it if you like it with other people. And, yeah, yeah, I'm pitching it because I want people to listen to it. That's cool. <laughs> Alright, we'll see you next time. Bye.